Welcome to the Fraudian Slip, the Identity Theft Resource Center's podcast where we talk about all things identity compromise, crime, and fraud that impact people and businesses. I'm James Lee, the COO of the ITRC, and this month we're going to talk about one of the hottest topics in the world of cybersecurity, privacy, and identity, namely the shift from what we think of as traditional identity theft to what is increasingly more common today, identity-based fraud. As more organizations analyze their 2020 data and the information from the first three months of this year, there is a common theme. Cyber criminals are less interested in mass attacks seeking to scoop up as much information as possible about consumers. Instead, data thieves are focusing on attacking organizations where they can hold data for ransom or where an attack against a single company can yield information from all of the customers who rely on the breached business. At the core of these attacks are identity credentials, those little pieces of information that once upon a time was pretty much limited to your driver's license number and your social security number, and occasionally your mother's maiden name. Today, identity credentials are everything from your login and password, which is more valuable than your credit card information to a cyber criminal, to the location where you use your smartphone. The complexity of identity today makes it simultaneously more difficult to protect your identity while also making it easier to prove that you are who you say you are. This week, we celebrated Identity Management Day to raise awareness of the importance of identity management, of securing digital identities, and sharing best practices to help organizations and consumers be identity smart. Joining us today to talk about these issues is the ITRC CEO, Eva Velasquez, and Julie Smith. Julie is the Executive Director of the Identity Defined Security Alliance, the organization that hosted Identity Management Day. So thanks to both of you for being here. Thanks, James. Happy to be here. Thanks, James. It's great to be here. Well, Julie, you talked last, so that means you get to talk first next to this next. <laughs> so yeah, let's start with who is the Identity Defined Security Alliance? I mean, who are the members and what are the issues that you're, you're trying to address with this organization? Sure. So the Identity Defined Security Alliance has been around for just about two years as a standalone entity. Um, We're a nonprofit organization that facilitates community collaboration to help organizations reduce risk by providing education, best practices, and resources to implement identity-centric security. (laughs) I know that's a bit of a mouthful. Um, Our membership is comprised of some of the leading identity and security vendors um, and names that you are probably all familiar with uh, listening to the podcast, Okta, uh, SailPoint, CyberArk, uh, Atos, just to name a few. And those are board members, by the way. Um, and we also have nine customer advisory board members who provide guidance on our mission and they represent the practitioner community. Um, so that's our, that's our membership. Um, what we focus on is this identity security connection. So, um, you know, organizations are struggling with cybersecurity. Um, and more specifically, identity-related breaches. Um, and the Verizon uh, Data Breach Investigations Report, almost um, continually we see about 80% of breaches tied back to a compromised identity, um, something you highlighted in the introduction. And even our research at the IDSA highlighted that 79% of organizations 
have suffered an identity-related breach in the last two years. Um, and, you know, the challenge is that identities are exploding. Um, again, in our research, organizations have, have indicated that uh, the number of identities they manage has increased fivefold. Uh, and so this, this challenge of identities within an organization, whether it's employees, third parties, customers, uh, and machines, they have to throw machines in there, they have identities too, has become an overwhelming problem. And it represents, uh, to the reason we're here, a significant threat to organizations uh, as a, a vector that hacker, hackers are after. Well, that's a lot of complexity. Um especially when you start talking about you know, when, when machines have unique identities, you know that we've reached a level of complexity that I'm not sure everybody envisioned when we started all of this. Eva, you know, how, do, how does that reflect in the terms of ID crimes, the things that we deal with at the ITRC? How do we see these kinds of issues reflected there? Well, you know, I'll, I'll approach it a little bit more from the individual victim or consumer angle because y- you have both touched on how they're changing and it's it's really about how the the notion of identity has changed and those of us in the advocacy space who are trying to educate people on how to protect themselves and and what to do if they find that they are a victim of an identity crime um, we just got people to learn to understand that their their PII uh, even though they don't usually know what that is <laughs> They do know that they have to safeguard their social security number, driver's license number, maybe passport number, and their mother's maiden name. So we we kind of crossed that hurdle. And at the same time that we did that, we just expanded uh, how we're using these different um, identifiers, how we're things like, you know, behavioral biometrics and biometric data. And our identities have just expanded. So of course, when you think about identity crimes, all of the traditional fraud is still occurring. You know, th- in in places like financial institution lenders and banks, in government platforms. I mean, my gosh, unemployment identity theft has been our most frequent case type for a year now. So those things are still happening. But the bad actors are leveraging all of those other credentials and data and data types because of this, because how we use identities has broadened. So now we see the crimes and the consequences migrating over to these these other places. Again, you mentioned it in the intro, James, The that your Gmail address and your password are far more valuable currently on the dark web than your credit card number. But that is something that it's really hard for your end user to comprehend. They, they've got in their head, and, and rightly so, because we've done a lot of education that, you know, my credit card number, my and my uh, social security number. Those are the things that I have to protect, but I'm not too worried about my Gmail account. I think I'll just use a really super simple password that I, I'll just use password. Let's just make it easy. I'll just use password. And and so I think that's the biggest change is that uh, the thieves have cha- changed and they're used to changing, but changing our habits and our understanding of how these things are all tied together and what harms they can cause um, is I think that's the big story right now. So, Julie, I want to get into this now from the from from your perspective, and you know, identity management as a as a as a as a concept, even as a, as an academic subject, is relatively new. You know, I guess there's a couple of schools now, University of Texas, among them, 
probably the, one of the first ones, if not the first one, to have an identity management program. But yeah, I'm old enough, and I should probably not say this, but I'm old enough to remember when your driver's license didn't have your picture on it. And um, I was I was in the delivery room when KBAs or knowledge based authenticators. Um, were born, the things that we've used for the last you know, 20 years to prove that we are who we say we are. What is it about identity management that you know, today brings us to where we are? What has happened in the world that makes this such an important element of security and privacy and something that everybody should be interested in? Well, I think um, certainly the pandemic and the world we've lived in the, in the last year has put a high uh, a spotlight on identity management. And, and identity management, you know, I, I think traditionally um, people think of that as, uh, well, people who are in the uh, enterprise IT world think of it as a function of just giving you know, my employee access to an application so that they can do their job, right? That's a very operational aspect of it. Um, you know, I don't think uh, consumers have thought of identity management as something that they need to worry about when, but they really do, right? I mean, it, for a consumer, identity management means taking care of your uh, your usernames and passwords that we now have so many of. And, and the pandemic, I think, put a huge spotlight on that because, you know, we went from as an employee walking into a, an office building and, and logging onto a network um, to working from home and using my home computer to access corporate resources. Uh, and so how do I protect, you know, that, uh, that online transaction, if you will, that I'm doing. And as consumers, you know, we're doing everything online now. We're ordering groceries, we're ordering takeout meals, and kids are going to school online. And so, uh, you know, their usernames and passwords uh, have probably grown in number and the need to protect those uh, and, and keep people from getting access to those because in some cases people may use the same password uh, to get access to to uh, you know their um, financial systems, for example, um, and if someone gets a hold of that username and password, they can do some pretty serious damage. So I think the I think the pandemic has really put a spotlight on um, you know how we live and and work uh, online and the the importance of securing your usernames and passwords for all the applications that you use on a daily basis. I'm going to ask both of you a very unfair question, but I'm acknowledging that it's a very unfair question. And, and, and you know, both of you take a swipe at it and Eva, you can go first if you want to. Um, but, you know, what you just described, how the world has changed. Now, if, if I had said in a technology conference or or something, you know, 18 months ago, two years ago, people would have predicted those things. They would say, oh, we'll be working more from home. You know, we'll be ordering groceries. You know, we've already have the gig economy. So we'll be doing all these other things. Um, we'll be doing those, but it would be five to seven to 10 years down the road. And it all happened in a matter of, you know, six to nine months. So here's the unfair part of the question. We're, 
were we really prepared for this to happen? Did we really think this through <laughs> about um, what we needed to get done in that short period of time? Have we opened ourselves up now to a whole series of identity issues that maybe if we had been on that five-year track, we could avoid it, but because we're on a nine-month track to, to deal with these issues, that now we're going to have some cleanup work to do. So <laughs> nine months, it felt like nine days. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think, actually, I don't think that's an unfair question. And um, I think you're, from my perspective, you're sort of right, but I think it's about the the scale and just how much, how quickly the change occurred and how quickly we all adopted it. Um, you know, you're right. All of these things would have been growing. Um, I'm trying to remember what the stat was from the growth of the uh, e-commerce spends during the holiday season. It was growing at something like 1% to 2% every year, and it grew like 22% in 2020. So, yeah, we were on track to have all of these things happen and to move uh, in this direction. But as you know, even when we plan and we're ready for it, it doesn't always go well if fraud is not a big part of the conversation ahead of time. I mean, look at what happened when the IRS went to e-filing. That wasn't based on any external factors other than we want to make this more seamless for taxpayers. And they opened the door to tax identity theft, and we've spent the last decade trying to close the door. So I, I do think that the pandemic um, exacerbated all of the existing growing pains in a very significant way. Um, but I also think that it's if, you, if we have to look at a silver lining, because it has so shined such a bright hot spotlight on the, the fissures that are now caverns, that are now the Grand Canyon, maybe, just maybe, we'll be motivated enough to put the resources towards these, these systemic and foundational issues uh, where we might not have been uh, if we had done this more slowly. We, there's a, you know, there's, we talk about fraud tolerance appetite and you know, how much fraud are we willing to tolerate as we move in these different directions, launch these new products and programs and services? We can all, I think we can all definitively say that the, the fraud rate that we currently have, it's intolerable. So maybe we'll actually fix it. So, Julie, what would your, how would your members answer that question? Uh, I think my members from, a, from an enterprise perspective and, and public and private companies would say that organizations were not prepared for the, the significant shift to remote working. Um, you know, we've talked for 10 to 12 years about how the enterprise perimeter is dissolving. Um, and, uh, it really did yeah. <laughs> back to, uh, to, you know, the nine, six to nine months was really more like overnight or nine days. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden employees working from home, uh, again, using, you know, their daughter's, uh, iPad, I think that, uh, that really caught a lot of companies off guard. And so our members were extremely busy trying to help organizations shore up this uh, remote access problem that they suddenly had and make sure that uh, those identities that employees are using to log into corporate resources were protected. Do you think we're creating 
or have we created problems now we have to clean up? Or do you think in the process of this, we did use a good sort of thought process to come up with these uh, interim solutions that maybe become, become permanent solutions? Yeah, I mean, I think it probably did accelerate uh, some of the initiatives that organizations already had on the books, digital transformation for sure, right? Moving things out of their data centers into the cloud. I think a lot of organizations had to accelerate those activities. I think uh, probably initially it was more just about getting access to keep my employees productive. Uh, and then probably in the second half of the year, it was, okay, how do I do that securely now? Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, I think it, it, you know, it definitely put, uh, a sense of urgency in organizations that maybe didn't have their identity management shored up. So identity management day, all designed to, to draw attention to the fact that identity management really is a responsibility that everybody has. You know, the, absolutely. The, there's a there's a consumer element of it, and then there's there's obviously the enterprise, the business element to it as well. So, um, Eva, if you take just a second, talk talk about what what do you what how do you view the consumer's role in this? What what is their responsibility in protecting their own information? Um, you hit the nail on the head, James, because uh, it, when you said that all stakeholders have a role to play. Because I, you know, I talk to a lot of people. I'm out um, in the public uh, virtually now, but um, I hear from people all the time, you know, well, what can I do about it? It's up to my bank. It's up to that government entity, you know, insert other party here. And while that's true to a degree, um, we do have a, a, it's a challenge for us to let most consumers know, no, you do, you do have a role. And it, it includes, you know, how you engage with technology and how you um, adopt, you know, do, are you adopting a privacy centric mindset and practicing good cyber hygiene? I think that's the big role that individuals play that they, they don't often think about. Um, and with cyber hygiene, you know, it's not just the one and done. It's not just that one thing. It's a small practice that, you know, that you do regularly and then it adds up to something bigger. I always tell people, look, it's just like your physical hygiene. I can't just say, well, I'm only going to brush my teeth. Forget about washing my face and my hair and putting on sunscreen. You know, I'm not going to do all this. I'm just going to do one thing. It, it just doesn't work that way. So I always tell people, let's let's start small, but but, you know, something with a big punch. So please, by all means, uh, folks. They just need to upgrade their passwords and their password management and how they think of passwords. And it's something we've been saying for a long time. Please don't use the same password across all of your accounts. You need a unique password and it needs to be 12 characters or longer. Um, you know, use a passphrase, a password manager, uh, whatever means uh, you can to to manage them. But just please stop using the same easy password over all of your accounts. And then, you know, the other thing that they can do is, is opt into multi-factor authentication. I think when it comes to this issue, uh, letting folks understand that it, it actually is manageable. And the, the, these things aren't terribly hard to learn. Harder for, for some people, it really depends, you know, where you're at in, in how you engage with technology, how much you use it, but it, it can be done and it can be meaningful. So taking those, those little steps, letting them add up, just being aware that this is an issue, that's still the biggest, you know, challenge that we have because 
we still have a lot of folks that think I don't use it that often. I, you know, oh, I only have email, so I don't, and I don't do online banking, so I'm not vulnerable. And I, I think that's the the biggest role that they have is, <laughs> this sounds so cliche, but the biggest role that consumers have right now is understanding their role and knowing that they have a part to play. Julie, I'm going to give you the last word. So what what is it that, uh, that, that, in this, in, as we just talked about, what what is it the real role that that businesses play in managing identities and and helping consumers understand how their identities are protected? Yeah, I think um, to kind of uh, play off of Eva, security is everyone's responsibility. Um, there's no doubt about that. And some of the things that Eva mentioned are um, important to consumers. Uh, as they, you know, live their lives online, but also as they work online as well. So, you know, practicing good password hygiene that has, you know, as much of a, a role as when someone's wearing their consumer hat as it does when they're uh, wearing their employee hat. Um, think before you click would be another one. That's you know one that comes from a from the National Cybersecurity Alliance. Is you know these phishing emails, which I think were so prevalent. Uh, during and still are, and they've been getting better and better and better, are a threat to consumers uh, having their identities breached as well as uh, organizations having their employee identity identities breaches breached. Excuse me. Um, and I think businesses, you know, from that perspective, should enforce strong passwords. Right? So there's things that uh, organizations can do who are providing services online to enforce and and you know, kind of help users along with that good password hygiene. And, you know, to back to Eva's point also uh, offer multi-factor authentication uh, for the applications that are customer facing uh, as well. So, and, and then I think, you know, the other part of it is it just uh, for enterprises, they, they really need to recognize identity management. And as it relates to really all their identities as a core security function and recognize that if that, one identity gets breached, that username and password, and a hacker is now able to get into an organization and find that customer database of information, they will share that. And so they've got to recognize that all of their identities, and I mentioned lots of different types of identities in the beginning, all of those identities are vulnerable to hackers, and they pose a significant threat. And so identity management needs to be thought of as a core element of a security strategy. And, you know, James, if I could just piggyback on on what Julie just said, I, I had one more thought for businesses, and that is that creating that culture of cybersecurity and making it okay for employees to ask questions. Um, that is, you know, leveraging your employees as, as not as liabilities, but as your army who can, uh, you know, they can help protect your organization too, but they don't do cybersecurity every day. They're not part of the IT department. And letting them ask questions about why things are important or why they have to do certain steps, I think it that goes a long way in getting buy-in from people. Absolutely. Uh, well, when I was in the cybersecurity business, we always reminded everybody, there's cybersecurity with a capital C, and that's a department. And then there's cybersecurity with a little C, and that's everybody's job. 
because everybody does have a role to play. And that's, it's the real reason why we had, you know, identity management day was to reinforce that uh, we are literally all in this together and we will all be protected or we'll all be vulnerable together. So um, Eva, Julie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Eva, great to speak with you. You can learn more about data privacy, cybersecurity, and other identity-related issues by visiting the ITRC's website at idtheftcenter.org. If you want to learn more about the Identity Defined Security Alliance and its work, you can visit idsalliance.org, all one word, idsalliance.org. If you have questions about how to protect your personal information, or if you believe you have been the victim of an identity crime or compromise, talk to one of our expert advisors on the phone, by live chat, or by email during normal business hours. Just visit idtheftcenter.org to get started. Be sure to join us next week for our weekly Breach Breakdown podcast and next month for another episode of The Fraudian Slip. Thanks for listening.